Well, I had a friend in college, and truth be told, he kind of ended up with the wrong kind of girl. So my friend was a good guy. He was working at his church. He was very conscientious. This girl um, was also somebody that I knew. She was, she was cute. She was friendly, um, but she was a little bit more relaxed. Her, her standards weren't quite the same as his. And uh, many, many times he would come, and he would kind of rationalize what was going on. Because there would be times when uh, she would kind of hang out with another guy. There was actually a time when she kissed another guy and wasn't honest with him about it. But every time he would come back with a, with the rationalization was, oh, she didn't mean it. Or, oh, it was okay. Or, or somehow it was his fault. But he would rationalize. He would kind of make excuses. But we kind of could see what was happening kind of slowly. You know how it is. In somebody else's life, you kind of see clearly. You can kind of see it coming. And for some reason, they don't because they're so close to it. Their emotions are involved. So he kept rationalizing and making excuses. But time and time again, he'd get his feelings hurt. And somehow, it was always his fault. And I remember one time when she had really you know, done something to hurt him. And he ended up buying her flowers. <laughs> so... It was really a, a difficult situation for him, but what was happening was he wasn't being honest with himself. He wasn't willing to tell himself the truth about what was occurring in this relationship, that it wasn't equal, that it was a little bit one-sided. And because he wasn't being honest with himself, he wasn't honest with his close friends like myself. He wouldn't tell us the truth because he wasn't telling himself the truth. And we saw him kind of go through a process of lowering his standards of making choices that we could just we knew that he would not have made several months prior to that. And in the end, he kind of got hurt. He really did get hurt. You know, in Celebrate Recovery, it's no mistake that the first lesson is on denial. Because the longer we stay in this stage of denial, the deeper is going to be the damage. You know, stuffing emotions and using, using unhealthy habits to manage our difficulties will eventually render our lives unmanageable. And the sooner that we're willing to be honest with ourselves and with others, the sooner we can get the help that we need. As we continue on with the story of Job, we're going to see how Job burst through denial after only seven days. And he began to express his bitterness of soul. Job decides to engage his audience of friends. He gives full vent to his feelings. And as unpleasant as his message is, I believe this was an important step toward his being able to accept what God had allowed into his life. Turn then to Job chapter 2. We're going to read the tail end of that chapter. And then we're going to read all of chapter 3. But we will be out on time. So don't worry. Chapter 2 verse 11. When Job's three friends, Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namathite, heard about all the troubles that had come upon him, they set out from their homes and met together by agreement to go and sympathize with him and comfort him. When they saw him from a distance, they could hardly recognize him. They began to weep aloud, and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. So these are three really good friends. And they see that their friend is struggling. And they leave their homes and they travel. It doesn't say how far to go be with him. And they're so moved by what he's going through. He's right in the midst of his pain. And they just sit with him. They don't have anything to say. You ever been in a situation like that? When 
you're looking somebody eyeball to eyeball and they're hurting and you realize there's really nothing that I have that's you know, significant to say. So you just sit with him and be with him. And they did that for seven days. And then Job opens his mouth and he speaks. Verse 1 of chapter 3. After this, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. He said, may the day of my birth perish. And the night it was said, a boy is born. That day may it turn to darkness. May God above not care about it. May no light shine upon it. May darkness and deep shadow claim it once more. May a black cloud settle over it. May blackness overwhelm its light. Now, what causes a person to be in this place? Have you ever been in this place? Have you known someone who's gotten to this place? Verse 6, that night may thick darkness seize it. May it not be included among the days of the year, nor be entered in any of the months. May that night be barren. May no shout of joy be heard in it. May those who curse days curse that day, those who are ready to rouse Leviathan. May its morning stars become dark. May it wait for daylight in vain and not see the first rays of dawn. For it did not shut the doors of the womb on me to hide trouble from my eyes. So Job's lamenting about his birth. He's right in the midst of his pain. He's saying, what is the point of going on now that all this has happened? And in fact, all of my life it would have just been better had I not even been born. So deep was his distress. And then in verse 10 he says, had I not been born, trouble would have been hidden from my eyes. Now for us, avoiding trouble, it's like becoming a whole industry, right? We have all these labor-saving devices. It's all about avoiding inconvenience, avoiding trouble, avoiding hardship. But that's not the kind of trouble that Job's talking about, just inconvenience. He's talking about the kind of tragedy that interrupts life, that brings things grinding to a halt. And we struggle to move forward. You know, in fact, we know that a lack of difficulty or resistance in life, it's going to leave us vulnerable when hard times come. In fact, the easier the early season in your life, the, the more convenience, the less you do hard things, the tougher it's going to be when the hard times come. So trouble is a part of life. So what do we learn from Job and how he prepared for this time in his life? I mean, Job was a man who feared God. He shunned evil. He was conscientious of sin. But also, Job was successful. If you look at the book of Job, he, he was a good, industrious worker. And his good, industrious life positioned him, I believe, to have a fighting chance when the storms of life came. In other words, to prepare for the hard times of life, I would suggest to you we need to be willing to do hard things. Take responsibility. Admit our faults. That's a tough one, Right? Endeavor to grow. When we realize there's an area where we need to grow personally, we need to go after that. We need to grow. We need to become stronger. We need to learn and prepare. We need to seek to serve others. And we need to tell the truth and love. And all indications are that this was the kind of life that Job had led up to this point. He was a hard worker. He was an example. He was doing the right thing. He was making the hard call. And so when the tough times came, this was no ordinary man because of his faith. You know, professional athletes go into strict training to build their bodies up in preparation for them to be what? Broken down. 
seen what these professional athletes go through week after week. In fact, there's a guy who plays for the Knicks. His name's Amari Stoudemire. I saw this on a special. Every evening after a ball game, he actually bathes in an entire bathtub full of wine because it helps his body you know, prepare to, to speed up the process of healing so he can get out there on the court the next game. Every game, he does that. So athletes build their bodies up in preparation for them to be broken down. And in the same way, the best way for us to prepare for hard times is to be willing to do hard things that we are tempted to avoid. Continue on verse 11. He says, Why did I not perish at birth and die as I came from the womb? Why were there knees to receive me and breasts that I might be nursed? So further lament. And then he says in verse 13, For now I would be lying down in peace. I would be asleep and at rest. So he said, had I not been born, I would now be at peace. I would now be having rest. But the truth is, Job's not struggling with a lack of rest, but a lack of purpose to continue pressing on, a lack of meaning to get up one more day and go on with life. He found both peace and rest in how God had blessed the fruits of his labor up to this point. You know, challenge prepares us for rest. And when we do something tough, appropriate resistance boosts our productivity. You know, at work, they say there's a zone where it's a little bit beyond you. It's not too much. It doesn't drown you, but it stretches you. That's when you do your best work. Exertion makes our rest sweet, especially when we see the fruits of our labor. And up to this point, Job's lived the good life. He's worked hard. He's been conscientious. He's seen the blessings. He's had a family. He's had wealth. And then in one fell swoop, it's gone. Recently, I watched a talk by one of the co-authors of Boundaries called Boundaries in Leadership, John Townsend. He mentioned that there's a global crisis in leadership. Leaders get discouraged by their inability to address all the needs and opportunities in our world. So here's Job. He's been laboring in his little corner of the world to both provide for his family and to make a difference by setting an example. I mean, he's been sitting at the city gates. He's been the guy that people are looking to. He's been the gold standard. They say, look at Job. He's the man. And he believes in God. And now he has seen both the fruits of his blessed labor and his platform of influence vanish before his very eyes. And very soon he'll become the object of scrutiny by the very people who are saying, this is the man. He's the gold standard. Let's look to him for leadership. And he's about to become the object of scrutiny. What a crushing blow this was to his spirit. But Job was far from soft. A lifetime of faithful work and diligence had conditioned Job to be a fighter. And by faithful, I mean full of faith. He believed in a good God. He believed in the way that God had taught him how to live. He believed that God was watching over him. And that's why he was so diligent. And that's why he was so conscientious and why he shunned evil. Because of his faith. And this is why, though, Job right here is verbalizing a desire to quit. But he is certainly not done yet. Because he is a fighter. You know what makes you and I want to quit? Is when we have invested so much of ourselves into something. And then we lose it. We 
We've invested so much of ourselves into a relationship, so much of ourselves into a family, so much of ourselves into, into a position, so much of ourselves into a career. And then we lose it. Or it fails to thrive. Or what if things are going well, but our health is failing. Those debilitating issues are preventing you from enjoying the life that God has given you. And it makes us just want to give up and throw in the towel and say, who it to whoever, you win. I'm done. Verse 14. He says, I would lie with kings and counselors of the earth who built for themselves places now lying in ruins, with rulers who had gold, who filled their houses with silver. And he's, talk, he's not talking about people that are different from him. This is Job. He's one of these guys. He has been wildly successful. He's been wealthy. He's had influence. So he wants to lie down with his contemporaries and, 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 and be dead. Verse 16, or why was I not hidden in the ground like a stillborn child, like an infant who never saw the light of day? There the wicked cease from turmoil, and there the weary are at rest. Captives also enjoy their ease. They no longer hear the slave drivers shout. The small and the great are there, and the slave is freed from the master. So Job's talking about different kinds of folks that have found release. And that's what Job's wanting. Is he's wanting release from the trials that he's now the way that you and I sometimes are just longing for release. Just release us from the burdens and the challenges of this life. And then verse 20. Why, this is a question we've asked ourselves when we encounter people who are suffering. Why is light given to those in misery and life to the bitter of soul? To those who long for death that does not come, who search for it more than hidden treasure, who are filled with gladness and rejoice when they reach the grave. Why is life, and now he's switching to talking about himself personally in verse 23 here. He says, why is life given to a man whose way is hidden? Because he can't see the future. All he sees is the thick darkness of the present. A man whose way is hidden, whom God has hedged in. So he's kind of lightly acknowledging that God is at least aware of this, if not involved. For sign comes to me instead of food. My groans pour out like water. What I have feared has come upon me. What I dreaded has happened to me. I have no peace, no quietness. I have no rest, but only turmoil. So after that long section of lament, don't worry, we're going to get to the encouraging part. But we have to enter into what Job's describing so we can understand that this is actually a good step that Job's taking because the alternative is to just stuff it on down and live in denial and say it's okay when it's not okay. Job is teetering on the edge of losing his faith, but in order to keep the faith, Job's going to have to be honest. And in order for us to keep the faith, we're going to have to be honest. We need to be honest with ourselves. We need to be honest with others, and we need to be honest, most of all, with God. So go ahead and bring up that little diagram. In order to get to the good part, we're going to have to uncork the bottle before it overwhelms us. And what do I mean by that? This is especially true of men. Right, guys? When we're struggling, when we're, when we're going through something, we just stuff it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't, I, don't want to, I don't want to talk about it over coffee. I don't want to write, write about it. I just want to forget it. But what happens is that emotion gets bottled up inside us. 
And at some point, in order to move past it, we're going to have to uncork the bottle before it overwhelms us. Now, initially, there will be a blast of emotion, I promise you. And it's going to scare you because you don't, you don't feel like you're yourself. When you're first kind of letting it out. This is what's happening with Job. He's been in denial, right? It's okay. You know, God's still good. I believe. And now he's uncorked that bottle. Because it's, it's just going to overwhelm him if he doesn't. So he's uncorked it. But if you can weather the initial storm, that blast of emotion, you can begin to filter through your emotions and get to the facts. And I believe that's what Job's on on the path toward uncorking the bottle, filtering through his emotions and getting to the facts. So what about you? Where are you at today? First of all, I would encourage you, if you're going through something, if you've got some emotional emotion bottled up inside you, first of all, you've got to be honest with yourself in order to move away from denial. I'm upset this hurts. This is not okay. I'm not okay. I'm discouraged. You know, I've invested so much of myself into this relationship, so much of myself into this career, so much of myself into extended family or to this community. I'm discouraged. And if I'm honest with myself right now, I mean, I've been going at this and I'm not seeing the results or I've lost something or it's not working out. I'm going to quit. I want to throw in the towel. I'm tired. I'm done with this. So we've got to be honest. You've got to be honest with yourself. And then, secondly, you need to be honest with others. You know, when, you're, when you start to uncork that bottle and that emotion's coming out, you need to talk to somebody. But when it comes to being honest with others, truthfully, you've got to be selective. You know, not everybody is a good listener. Not everybody's capable of handling what you need to share. And as I've told you before, we've had people that we've talked to that have been pretty untrustworthy with our suffering. And they weren't bad people. They weren't, they weren't being mean or unkind. They just didn't know what to do. And so what they did was actually more harmful than helpful. So be honest with others. And when you do find somebody, I'd encourage you to just test the waters. Float a little bit of that feeling out there and see what they do with it. Because like I said, not everybody's capable. But there are a few special folks that when you're sharing what's on your heart and you're sharing your struggle with them, they don't turn away. They don't get uncomfortable. They lean in. And those people have been specially prepared by God for you to share who would that be? But at the same time, recognize their limitations. I mean, we're just human. But we do care. And we want to do what we can to help. And I can't do everything, and you can't do everything, but, you know, you could at least help somebody through a step. Just one step forward. Just one step toward being honest with somebody else. And that's part of the healing process. And then thirdly, be honest with God. He can handle it. Say, God, this hurts. God, I'm upset. God, I don't understand. I don't understand why you've allowed this. I don't understand why this is happening to me. But I need you to help. You know, we're all 
very aware of the hard reality that we live in a fallen world. And all you have to do is just turn on the news. Look at the candidates, the best that we have to offer. Look at, you know, look at, look at anything. I mean, it's, it's a tough place. It's a fallen world. It's not the way God designed. It's not the way God intended. It's a mess. And because we live in a bad world, you and I cling to faith in a good God. We need Him. We need a good God in a bad world. So the toughest reality when life hurts us is that God has allowed it. That's the hardest pill to swallow, isn't it? When things go wrong in your life, when we lose something, when something fails, it hurts because we know that God, he didn't cause it, but he's allowed it. And he might allow it again. And that causes us to struggle. So we need to be honest with God. But let me leave you with an encouraging thought. Imagine a person pushing against an enormous boulder. And after pushing on this enormous weight for some time, they are unable to move at a single solitary inch. Now, who can relate to that? When God's allowed something in your life that's heavy, that's hard, and you push, and you push, and you push, and you pray, and you beg, and you plead, and you do everything you can think of and beyond, and you don't move the boulder a single solitary inch, and you're discouraged. But at the end of that time, this person's muscles are toned. Their physique has changed. And their endurance, it's unmatched. They're almost unrecognizable. Now you know someone like this. Maybe you are someone like this that's come through pain when life has hurt them at a deep level. And what's amazing is over time, they've found a way by God's grace to heal. And they've made it. And their, their faith is somehow still intact. And this is what it's like when God allows hard things into our lives if we're able to be honest enough to express and engage. You know, many times, and you, you and I both know this, we don't change the boulder. But by God's grace, the boulder changes You know, and also, oftentimes, God uses suffering as preparation. Romans 5 says, and, 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 and I don't think anybody's going to sign up on that sheet, right? Sign me up for suffering, God. You know, we all want to be the person in the, in the end zone spiking the ball and giving praise to God. Nobody wants to be the person on the hospital bed praising God. Nobody's going to sign up for that. But sometimes it's just the hand that we're dealing so Romans 5 says, suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And that hope does not disappoint us. So God uses suffering to shape us for his purposes. But just like with the boulder, we're going to need to fully engage in order to extract the maximum benefit from the experience. So hopefully when we uncork the bottle... And we begin to filter through those emotions because they're confusing emotions. It's like a storm. We're going to get to some bedrock convictions. I believe God. My faith was shaken there for a minute. I mean, it took my breath away. It shook me to the core. But 
at my bottom. I believe. I believe in God. I believe He is capable. I believe He cares. He did not cause this, but He has chosen to allow it. And with that in mind, now is the time to begin asking why. Be honest with God. Why, God? Why is this happening? Why have you allowed this? I don't understand. I'm confused. I'm disappointed. I'm discouraged. And God, I want to quit. I want to be done with this. I want to move on from this. But we do not want to start asking, why, God? Why, God? How dare you, God? Because when you shake your fist, you take a big risk. Because when we continually do this, and you've known people, they've been hurt by life. And they begin to shake their fist, and they begin to resist and resent God. Because when we continue to do this, it leads to a hardened heart. And, and you and I both know that a hardened heart, when that heart gets hard, it just makes life harder and harder and harder. You know, I was thinking about Pharaoh this week. And how when Moses went to him and said, let my people go, his heart got hard, right? Remember that? And he resisted, and he resented, and he said, who are you to tell me what to do? But you know what? His hard heart brought him some severe consequences, but not just him. It hurt his entire nation and brought them severe consequences as well. So you and I, we don't want a hard heart. Have you ever met these folks? Have you, have maybe there's a season where you've been this person. And your heart just gets hard and closed and cold. And it just makes life harder and harder. So in closing, I just want to submit to you that the path to acceptance. Because that's where we're trying to get. With our faith still intact, right? Always begins with honest questions. So my encouragement to you today is that if you have some things bottled up, find a safe place to begin to uncork it. And my prayer is that this will be the beginning of a path to the peace and rest you deeply desire to find. And this will be the peace and rest that you need to move from passively enduring life. Isn't that how a lot of us live? We've been wounded. We walk with a limp. We're hurt. And then we're just passively enduring life, gritting our teeth, clenching our fists, and trying to make it through one more day. That's no way to live. But I understand because life has hurt you. It's hurt you deep. It's made your heart hard. It's made your heart bitter. But God has so much more for us than that. But so we want to move from passively enduring life to hopefully once again passionately and freely engaging it. Pray with me. God, thank you so much for this opportunity to, to be taught from your word this morning, and though what happened to Job wasn't fair, and there was nothing about it, it even seemed kind of purposeless. But as he learned in this process, God, of, of moving beyond denial and being completely honest with himself, honest with others, and then slowly beginning to address you directly, God, eventually you did respond. And you responded in such a way as we're going to find out in a couple of weeks that it changed him and he was willing to accept what you had allowed 
and continue to put his trust in me. And that's where we want to get God. But, you know, some of us today, maybe we're, we don't, we're struggling. We don't understand why things have happened. We don't understand what the purpose was, if there was a point at all. But we do believe that you are God. We do believe that you are capable. We do believe that you care. But we also know that you have allowed this into our lives. So we pray that you would help us to be trustworthy with the pain that you've entrusted to us. And trust that you're going to use it, God, to prepare us to be who you called us to be. It's for your glory and in your name I pray, Jesus.